reading God's word. Again, we're in chapter 14 of Romans. And we're going to be reading verses 20 through 23. Hear the word of the Lord. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whatever, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. You may be seated. Do you have any questionable family traditions? You know, the traditions that you do year after year, generation after generation, and maybe you really don't understand why you do them. Do you have any traditions like that? Well, there was a man who was visiting with a family, and the, the mother in the family was preparing a ham to get it ready to put in the oven. And he noticed right before she put it in the oven, she cut the side off the ham. And he was kind of, he was interested and just wondering, never seen anything like that. And he asked her, he said, do you mind if I ask, um, why are you cutting the side of the ham off? And she says, well, that's the way my mother prepared ham. And it really struck some curiosity in herself. She goes to her mother and she says, hey, mama, why do we cut the ham on the side before we put it into the oven? Why do we prepare the ham that way? And... She said, well, your grandmother prepared ham that way, and that's the way I've always done it. So this woman, she goes to grandma's house, and she says, Grandma, why do you cut the side off of your ham when you're preparing it prior to putting it in the oven? And she said, (laughs) you see, baby, when I had your mama, our oven was so small. That I had to cut off the side of it just to make it fit in there. (laughs) Questionable traditions. And that's what Paul is calling us to in this text. He's calling us, he's calling the church to love brothers and sisters who have questionable traditions. So that's where we find ourselves this morning. And I'm just going to throw the big idea right up front and center. And it's this. Don't destroy the work of God with a fat head and a skinny heart. Don't destroy the work of God with a fat head and a skinny heart. And to unpack that, I want us to consider a few things. Number one, consider their conscience. Number two, consider your conscience. And number three, consider our Christ. So consider their conscience, consider your conscience Consider our Christ. So number one, consider their conscience. Look back at verse 20. Paul says, do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Man, if some of you haven't been around 
And maybe this is the the first sermon that you're catching in this series we've had the past four weeks. And you're thinking, Paul is really coming out the gate hot and heavy here. Do not destroy, do not for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. What's going on here? Well, let me take a, a brief moment to catch you up if you don't know where we're at. In the church of Rome... Okay, Paul is writing this letter to them, and for the first 11 chapters, he's been talking about the glory of God displayed in Christ, and as we can see it in the gospel, meeting the need that we have, right? And then he shifts gears in chapter 12, and he talks about how this glorious gospel impacts how we interact with others within the church. And so then in chapter 13, he talks about the law of love for our neighbors, And then here in chapter 14, he is applying it to a specific issue in the church. Well, what was the big deal? Well, the thing was, is that in the church of Rome, we see here uh, a group of people that Paul terms that are weak in faith. So we'll call them the weak. Okay. And then there's another group of people that he terms the strong in faith. Well, what made them weak and strong? Well, the weak in faith were genuine believers who were probably predominantly Jewish believers who brought with them into their faith uh, within the Messiah all of those customs, all those ritual law when it came to food and drink and festivals and special days. And so they had a problem when it came to eating meat that was not properly prepared, kosher, all right? And so they were abstaining from eating meat, just all meat, with fear of being defiled by this meat. So that is the weak, okay? And then there is the strong. So the strong were those predominantly, it was probably predominantly Gentile believers who didn't bring all that Old Testament ritual with them. So they didn't have that hindering them because they saw all food as clean. Okay, just trying to set set the context. We'll look at verse 20, the second part of verse 20. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. So Paul is telling us right here is that the strong are right theologically. All of the food is clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. Now, he sheds more light on that in verse 21. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. So what's going on is that it's not just about food and drink and special days. It's getting to the heart of the matter because these genuine Jewish believers were, it admit they were among other Gentile believers who didn't have this, this problem of conscience when it came to eating this meat. And they, they had to think about eating that meat and they had to remember that the, I apologize, sorry, lost my train of thought. <clears throat> so the weak are the, the Jewish believers. And 
the weak are the Jewish believers, and they cannot eat meat because they feel that it will defile them and it would break their conscience. And then you have the strong who didn't, didn't feel a breaking of their conscience to eat meat. Okay. Well, Jesus, in Matthew 15, verses 10 through 11, he says, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. So as I was reading, I came across this this story um, about a girl who she believed that it was wrong to wear makeup. Okay, she grew up in a fundamentalist background, and in her church background and in her life, she believed that it was wrong to wear makeup. But here was the problem. When she went to school, she was around other genuine Christians who didn't have those convictions. And so she felt the peer pressure to do what they are doing. And what she did was, she still believed it was wrong, but she felt the peer pressure to fit in with this group. And so what she would do is, before she left the house, she would clean all the makeup. I mean, she would put on makeup after she left the house. And then when she got to school, she would feel the inclusion to be in with other ones who wear makeup. And she gained that popularity that she wanted. And then right before she got home, you know what she'd do? She'd clean all that makeup off. Well, let me ask you a question. Is it wrong for her to wear makeup? Paul would say from our text that it is. But wait, aren't some of us wearing makeup and, and, and we don't think it's, it's sin? Well, yes, but that's what Paul is getting to in this text. Is that he's saying that in matters that are neither commanded nor forbidden... If you feel a conviction that it is wrong, and then you proceed to go against your conscience and to do that act, even though it's neither forbidden nor commanded, you are in fact in sin. Well, how do we know that? Look at verse 23. We're kind of jumping ahead a little bit. But he says, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So what we have here are these two people groups, basically, within the church. And they have different sets of convictions. Is it wrong to eat the meat? No. Is it wrong to eat the meat if you feel convicted? That if you did so, it would not honor God? It would not honor God? Yes, it would be wrong. But then some of us think, well, wait. Well, what is it? I thought that this morality is supposed to be black and white. Why is there this gray issue? Because here's the thing. Remember that girl we're talking about with the makeup? Well, she started to live in this cycle of breaking her conscience. Continually, day after day. Waking up, no makeup. Right before she got to school, she put the makeup on. Right before she got home, she washed it off. Day after day after day. A continual cycle of breaking the conscience. The counselors drew a pattern with that that eventually led 
to her breaking her conscience in areas that are commanded or forbidden. She actually found herself in a very dark place in her sexuality. And they stemmed it back to this early pattern of living day after day, breaking the conscience. Although it wasn't wrong to wear makeup, it was wrong to her because when she wore it, she wasn't picking makeup or not picking makeup. She wasn't deciding to wear makeup or not wear makeup. You know what she was choosing? She was choosing popularity over God. Do you see that? And what it was was a slippery slope of breaking one's conscience that led into deeper and darker sin. So let me ask you a question. Are you aware of how your liberty is affecting others? I mean, think about these other girls. They, they could wear makeup, right? It wasn't, it wasn't against the law for them to wear makeup. But are we aware of what other people are thinking about certain issues that are neither commanded nor forbidden? And if some of us are a little even fuzzy, like, I don't even know if this really, I'm not feeling a connection. I'm not even really relating with this. Could it be that some of us are only showing up to kind of check the box on church and getting out? And we really don't have enough time with other people to bump up against them to see where our differences are. It's just a thought, okay? Just think about that. But are you aware of how your liberty is affecting others? Number two, what is your first response when someone has a different opinion with you on tertiary matters? When somebody disagrees with you, yeah, I, I, I can't wear makeup. And you say, well, you can. Are you, you going to take time to consider where they're coming from? Or are you just going to be quick to shut them down and to stamp them out, just to stomp on them with your truth? I think Paul is calling us to a different level of love. So consider their conscience. Are you willing to curb your freedom in an effort to love them? Or are you just a fat-headed Christian with a skinny heart? So just kind of setting, setting the stage here. Because remember the big idea, don't destroy the work of God with a fat head and a skinny heart. This is the reason we must consider their conscience. But also, we need to consider our conscience. So which group do you identify with? So this is the second point, consider your conscience. Which group do you identify with? And maybe before you answer that question, maybe I need to make a little clarification. We're not talking here about strong consciences and weak consciences. We're talking about strong faith and weak faith in matters that are neither forbidden nor commanded in Scripture. So, for instance, um, maybe you grew, maybe you know people who think that alcohol is intrinsically evil. Okay? I said that on purpose. So, in, intrinsically evil. Not the effects of it, but alcohol itself, intrinsically evil. And maybe you think 
they are really strong. I mean, they seem very strong and adamant about that belief. And so I, I can't see how Paul's saying all things are, are, are clean. All things in, reg- in regards to food and drink are clean. They're all clean. Nothing is intrinsically evil in and of itself. You know, I see those people and they seem very adamant. They've got passion. They're, I, I think that they're strong. Well, to help us think about this is a story about Peter. When God comes to him in, in a trance, and Peter, you know, is, is a Jewish Christian, and he, he was, at, at the same time, you know, he, he, couldn't, he, didn't, he didn't want to eat meat that would defile him. And so here God comes in a trance and shows all of these animals and reptiles and birds of the air, and he says, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter goes, my Lord, by no means. That is strong, right? I mean, if God is telling you to kill and eat and you say, over my dead body, God, I mean, that's a strong conscience. You know what I mean? But what was Peter's, what was, what was the problem? He was weak in faith. So I'm not asking, you know, do you have a strong conscience or a weak conscience? And I'm not also asking, do you have what, what, how, do, how would we measure the intensity of your faith, whether it is weak or strong? We're talking about will the way that you look at Christ and how, as he's explaining the gospel, does it give you freedom to do things that are neither commanded nor forbidden? So who do you most identify with? And to complicate things a little bit further... There's another situation of this that happens in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. So the substance is the same, basically, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, which is over meat offered to idols. But the situation is much different. Because in this situation, the strong are actually the Jewish believers. And the weak are actually the Gentile believers. I mean, the shoes on the other foot. The reason is, is that the Gentile believers wanted to abs- they wanted to abstain from meat because that, those that meat was offered to idols, and they came. And when they came into Christianity, they had the baggage of idol worship in the past, and they felt I must abstain from this. Because if I partake, I feel like it would be dishonoring to God. And then there was the strong, the Jews that said, there's only one God. There are no idols. I mean, what are you talking about? The idols. Why are you worried about this? That's fake. It's, it's not real. There's only one true God. But Peter, but Paul, in, in that letter as well, cautions both groups of people in this thing that is neither forbidden nor commanded to love one another in those differences. And the reason I'm telling you all that is because maybe in some things we see ourselves as strong. And then in other things we see we could be weak even though we think we're strong. <clears throat> Have you seen the new little Caesar's pizza? This thing is nasty. It is called, listen to this, the bacon wrap deep, deep dish pizza. 
Yeah, yeah, some of you are shaking your heads like, I've seen that commercial. Well, this past week, um, I saw the commercial too, and I'm trying to think about appropriate illustrations to, to put into the sermon. And um, even in intern meetings, we've, we've kind of banged around the idea of, you know, can we incorporate video into the sermon? You know, where is our conscience on that? And so there's freedom to do so, but it must be approved by Dean. And so I'm looking at this commercial and listen, it is a large pizza. You know how they do those square deep dish large pieces? There's two of them. So you have eight edges, right? All right. And it's topped with bacon and pepperoni. And then check this out. It is wrapped in over three and a half feet of bacon. That's almost a yard of bacon. And the question in this commercial is, is this much bacon even legal? And then they've got this character kind of lean back in this lawyer firm office. And he's got, you know, a suit jacket on. And he says, I'm just a small town pizza lawyer. But I do declare that that much bacon is legal. And so I was thinking, man, that would be awesome to put on the screen. All foods are clean. You know what I mean? Just let's do that. And, and, but here's the problem with that is that me, my conscience, I'm not convinced yet. Okay. I'm still, you know, I want, I'm, Lord, help me to have an open mind. But I am still not convinced that me personally, that I could do that. And it would be honoring to the Lord during the sermon. Okay? Just considering my conscience. Consider your conscience. But in the next few weeks, if one of the preachers throws a video up there in the middle of the sermon, I'm not looking for a new church. Because you know what? These are matters neither forbidden nor commanded. And there is freedom to either partake or not. So what about your conscience? Consider your conscience. Let's say you're a little bit newer to the church and you meet a family out in the foyer. And they say, you know, why don't you come over to a party at our house in a couple weeks? Okay, yeah. And maybe you come from a background where you, you don't partake of any alcohol. You don't drink, don't drink any. But you show up and they say, can I get you something to drink? And on the list is a beverage that you feel that if you were to drink, you would break your conscience. Don't drink it. Don't feel the pressure to give in if you are not convinced yet that you are free to drink responsibly and above age. But don't. Don't break your conscience. Don't do it. You know why? Because what it starts is a pattern, a cycle of giving in to things that although they're neither commanded nor forbidden, you feel that if you were to partake, you would dishonor God. And what that starts is a pattern throughout your life. And then what happens is you start giving in to other things that are commanded or uh, that are not commanded. Sorry. You give in to things that you're not supposed to do. You know that are clearly you're prohibited to do in Scripture. And then the cycle of sin can get deeper and darker. But man, it's just a drink. Man, it's just makeup. Man, it's just cards. 
Man, if you are not convicted in your conscience that doing that thing will honor God, or if you do it, that it will dishonor God, don't do it. Because look, look here in the Scripture in verse 21. No. In verse, 20, in verse 23. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So what if you feel the pressure as a, maybe you're a Democrat, and you're feeling the pressure to vote for a Republican. But you can't see that voting for a political party that turns a blind eye to systemic injustice will honor God. Don't do it. But what if you're a Republican feeling the pressure to vote for a Democrat, but you feel like it would not be honoring to God to support a political party that turns a blind eye to the killing of millions of babies? Don't do it. And what if you're invited by one of our deacons to play cards, but yet the tradition that you came from, the church tradition that you came from, was very, you know, frowned upon that to the degree that you're still not convinced that you can do so. And if you were to, it would dishonor God. Don't do it. Consider your conscience. Conscience. But then there's the people at work always talking about their favorite TV shows. Can any of you guys identify with that? I mean, the list is long, and I'm not even going to start naming them. Probably wouldn't be healthy. But. You know, it's the next episode, but the next episode doesn't come on to the next week. And all everybody's hanging. It's like a cliffhanger. And man, just can't wait to watch that next episode. And you feel like that if you don't watch, you're not going to be able to, to be included in this conversation, which means that you're not included within these friendships. And these people, you're around more than your family sometimes. And you want, could you imagine being on the outside with that group of people for such a long time? I mean, the, the, the temptation is strong to want to just jump in and get all into these TV shows that maybe you feel that if you get involved in, will dishonor God. Consider your conscience. So, don't destroy the work of God with a fat head and a skinny heart. It's incredibly important to consider their conscience. And also, we need to consider our, our conscience. But finally, we must consider our Christ. Look at verse at the end of verse 23 again. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. You heard Dean earlier read about the story of Cain and Abel. Well, what was going on there? I mean, you have literally two brothers going to worship. Cain, you know, he's the first one. He comes, he brings his sacrifice of dedication to the Lord. It's a dedication sacrifice. And then Abel brings his, or his offering. So you have these two guys doing the very same thing. Dedication offerings to the Lord. But only one offering is accepted by God. Well, why is that? What is... Why does that happen? Two guys, two brothers, same blood, same background. They're coming to do the same thing on the same day, but yet one is accepted and one is not. 
Well, Hebrews 11.4 helps us understand this. It says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. It was Abel's faith. He did it in faith. You remember that last verse? For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. It was because Abel, he had faith when he gave the offering, when Cain did not. And so this is what it all comes down to in these matters that are neither commanded nor forbidden. The thing that makes them morally wrong is if they are done in a heart that does, not, that does not proceed from faith. If it's not done in faith, that's what makes it wrong. So let me ask you a question. In what ways in your heart, in what ways is your heart skinny due to unbelief? Are you hindering the church in the ways you go about your Christian liberty? Are you leaving a graveyard behind full of people you are destroying due to you not getting the relational implications of the gospel? Do you remember what Genesis 4.10 says when God comes to Cain? And I love this too, the way that God speaks to Cain in that moment after his brother is murdered. He says, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. We literally have two brothers and one murdering the other one. And that passage doesn't connect so tightly to ours in an exact way, but I think it sheds so much light on this text. Is the blood of innocent people calling out against you? Have you led brothers and sisters astray? And the way that you go about exercising your Christian liberty. Have you even taken time to consider their conscience? Have you taken the time to consider your conscience? Because Paul takes this extremely, he takes it very seriously, doesn't he? I mean, he says... Don't cause your brother to stumble. Don't destroy the work of God. Because this is what you do. There's a, you destroy your brother and sister. You thwart their spiritual growth. You destroy them. And it's extremely serious. Is there any blood from people that you've destroyed calling out your name where you are guilty for leading them astray? In even matters that are neither commanded nor forbidden. And then what has that done in their sin life if now they are in this perpetual cycle of going against their conscience? Does their blood call out your name calling for justice? The reason why I'm getting serious about this 
is because Paul was serious about this. He spent, he spilled a lot of ink here driving this point home. But you know, there was another one. Another innocent one. One who had the perfect proportion of head and heart. Who came to this world and was murdered by a bunch of people who had fat heads and skinny hearts. And our sins for what we do that does not proceed from faith was thrown on him. This innocent man and his blood is spilt and it calls out for justice. But you know what? For us who trust in Christ and receive him and and throw ourselves on him in faith, it calls out in a totally different way. You see, Jesus isn't sitting next to the Father saying, please, Please give them mercy one more time. Please give them mercy one more time. Just give them another chance. He has so much. He has something so much better to say to the Father. He says, My blood was spilt for them. And I demand justice. And Father, I know that you are just. And to take double penalty for this sin would be an injustice. And I know you won't do it. I know you will forgive them. I know you will pour out grace on them. Because I have spread my arms and died for them. I have become the perfect sacrifice. The substitute in their place. His blood cries out for justice. But in, in a way that is so much different now for us who trust in him. By faith alone. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. And if you've never, ever, ever placed your faith in Christ, your life is a web of sin. And yet, here you have Jesus who says, come to me. And my blood will cleanse you. Remember what 1 John 1, 9 says. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and what? Just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So don't destroy the work of God with a fat head and a skinny heart. But look to Christ who has spilled his blood for you to just inflate your heart to where it's supposed to be. So you not intellectually understand the gospel, but then you also understand the implications of the gospel to things like we've been talking about this morning. But then also the implications of how to deal with one another. So consider their conscience. Consider your conscience and consider our Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for being the better and the ultimate, able, the innocent one 
who died in our place. Lord, we thank you for the grace that you continually pour out on our lives. Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom to be able to understand these type of things more because it's not something that we generally run to to study. And it's something that we have a hard time understanding quickly. So we pray, Lord, that we would marinate in your scripture and that the truths of it would change our hearts by the power of the Spirit. And Lord, that we would understand your gospel more. Not only to love you, but also to love our neighbor. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.